Anyway, so that should about do okay, it for us today. We'll end on <laughs> on that. But anyways, uh, just quick note: softball started the weekend or started their season off this weekend, going four and one, with the loss coming to Maryland. They go now to uh, Texas for another big time tournament, playing like Penn State and Texas and love national powers. But anyways, for Andrew side and everyone else who joined us here today, I say thank you for listening here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Uh, we say listen in later on this week, and thank you. Good night, and go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss back over Cambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Cambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Cambellini. Your radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan. Operated by students at the University of Michigan. Uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Well, it's a little after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer, and uh, I'd like to thank everybody who phoned up last week to uh, help the program and the station out uh, during its fundraiser season. Yes, indeedy. And that uh, doesn't uh, preclude late donations. That's right. You can do it online, wcbn.org. Look for the little donate tab. If you feel like uh, throwing down some cashola right now or anytime soon, by all means do so. Well, anyway, uh, kind of an interesting, adventurous week with the weather. Indeed. Uh, Super Tuesday, of course, turned into Super Hurricane Tuesday. Worst outbreak in quite some time. And I've heard a lot of people claim, oh, global warming's not happening. Well, <laughs> look, a couple of days, uh, if you go back and you check the uh, last week, just for example, uh, we've, we're actually above average pretty much every day other than yesterday. So check your averages before you uh, dismiss global warming. And anyway, I heard one good scientist claim, and I think it might have been Amory Levins, 
very famous uh, sort of left-wing thinker that uh, is based in Colorado, produces lots of interesting papers about uh, environmental issues and military spending issues and that kind of thing. And uh, he, he called it global weirdness, not that, global warming. Yeah. Climate shift is, of course, another one because that implies swing in both directions. Of, but global weirdness <clears throat> really goes beyond the climate because it seems to cover a general uh, atmosphere of just plain, flat-out bizarreness that seems to uh, happen at a, a staggering rate these days. I mean, who could have imagined... Uh, decades ago that we'd be looking back and saying that well you know nixon reagan were pretty bad but they aren't the worst presidents we've ever had that's right <laughs> well when george bush uh, is uh what he i i think he ranked last week they took a gallup poll and he was at 30 percent approval pretty much his lowest ever and uh interestingly his his approval rating amongst republicans is down to 61 so uh, yeah, he he not only has brought uh, shame and uh, madness to the American nation, but uh, he, he may well be bringing down the Republican Party in a sort of semi-permanent way. And, of course, the Republican primary is reflecting this, uh, this, uh, these demarcations in the, uh, in the Republican Party. And while the Democratic Party is, you know, it's still too close to call and... I'd like to caution a lot. I uh, seem to have not brought in my key uh, my key uh, clippings on this, but I think that the more conservative delegate counts that the New York Times are giving are much more reliable than these estimated extrapolations because, you know, many of the caucus states that Barack Obama has won actually have conventions further down the road that, right. de that determine the actual delegate uh, distribution. As late as May. Yeah, I mean, you June. know, places like North Dakota and some of these red states that Barack Obama has, quote, won, the, the delegates haven't actually been picked yet. So the more conservative oh. delegate total that the New York Times is giving, I think, is a better, a better number. And obviously, Obama closed uh, the gap over the weekend. Uh, for a variety of reasons, these states were favorable uh, for his uh, style of campaigning and, and the way that he's organized. And he deserves all the credit in the world, by the way, for going for this sort of ground operation, right. the caucus operations. He's getting the activists out. They're banging on the doors. But caucuses are not like primaries. Primaries are like what we do on Election Day. If you work... You can vote before you go to work. You can vote after you go to work. But if it's a caucus, you got to show up at a certain time at a certain place. And that's more in tune with what activists are interested in or the idol. <laughs> so, for instance, with Obama doing very well with college students on Saturdays, for instance, um, they're not going to class that day. They can go to the caucuses and uh, hang around for an hour or two and uh, go get a burrito and then uh, go out drinking. But working class people that may have scheduling conflicts or family conflicts for that matter, for instance, uh, they're talking a lot about the Bradley effect. I would dismiss the Bradley effect, and I'm going to invent a term tonight on gray matters called the Edith Bunker effect. <laughs> now, just for a, a moment here, speculate. You remember All in the Family, that classic show. Hey, Archie, they're on the phone. They want to know whether we're going to vote for Nixon or McGovern. 
what do you mean? We're voting for Nixon. So she answers the poll, Nixon. But when she gets in the voting booth, Archie Bunker isn't in there with her. Right. And Gloria and Meathead, I think that was his name. Mike. Mike. (laughs) Meathead was the the character, yeah. Meathead was the character, having an influence on her around the dinner table. And she pulls the lever for McGovern. And this this Edith Bunker effect has been very evident, by the way, in in the results in a lot of states where the primaries have happened. There's a very interesting demographic uh, breakdown uh, of the Democratic voters thus far. Basically, Obama is winning the youth. He's winning the high-paid Volvo intellectual Democrats. The Grateful Dead have uh, endorsed him, the surviving members. Yeah, the Grateful Dead. Uh, Some and of the cultural uh, elite. And it's interesting that a number, a number of the red states, more conservative Democrats, have endorsed him because of the perceived backlash in their states against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And they want to kind of cut that off at the butt, yeah. nip it in the bud. And then, of course, Barack Obama's doing very well with African Americans. Well, after tomorrow, he's out of African-American states. Uh, I think the only big one left would be, uh, well, there's North Carolina, but there's also, but that's more like Tennessee. And if you look oh, at, the, yeah. at the vote totals, uh, Hillary Clinton won Tennessee by 10 points. Um, that's, a, by the way, a toss-up state. That's, Arkansas is a toss-up state. Hillary Clinton, she had a little home field advantage in Arkansas, but she won there by 42% in a primary. Um, so I last week said, keep your eye on Missouri, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Georgia, and of course, California. Hillary won California big time, 10 points, but she won California. We now know because Hispanics went, uh, more than two to one for her and Asians went more than three to one for Mm -hmm. her. So there are some very interesting demographic groups that are creating these vote totals and obviously tomorrow with maryland being the uh one of the heaviest uh, populated african-american states and they'll probably be 45 to 50 percent of the democratic uh turnout obama's going to do very well but keep your eye on virginia is virginia more like alabama in which obama won 56 to 42 or is it more like georgia where he won 67 to 37 30 points georgia is by far and away obama's best performance forget about these caucus red states that are uh, in the polar zone up in uh, the northwest they're going to vote red in uh, the fall anyway so i dismiss you know the fact that obama won utah kansas uh north dakota and idaho i those to me are just irrelevant to the real primaries that are still happening and virginia will be huge tomorrow Hillary Clinton needs to keep that margin more like Alabama and less like Georgia. But, of course, uh, we'll have a nominee on the Democratic side uh, with Pennsylvania's uh, um, primary in in, in mid-April. Because Ohio, Texas, and Pennsylvania are, in theory, Hillary states. And if Obama can't win at least one of them, um, I don't see how he will be the nominee. And all of this speculation about superdelegates... And what the Democratic Party is going to do about the Florida-Michigan problem, it's all speculation. No one knows. So don't look at these ridiculous delegate extrapolations or estimates that some of the uh, networks are doing, because they're not based on anything except speculation. 
And it's awful early days yet for that kind of speculation. Yeah, because some of the superdelegates, they're, by the way, not bound. They may publicly right. endorse Obama, but at the uh, actual convention may vote for Hillary because their state delegation is there, and they may realize, hey, wait a minute, if I buck the trend here, I or you, know, or you could flip-flop this, and it could be the other way around, but if I buck the trend, I could have problems with my ground troops in this state, mm-hmm. and this could cost me the election. The Republicans are much more interesting because of Mitt Romney's very clumsy and idiotic um, announcement of, of leaving the race. I'm not surprised that he left the race. Uh, I was surprised that he didn't do a little better in California, and that's why he left the race. Uh, he only won like three or four congressional districts, and he needed to do better than that. But to claim... And, and, you know, the, the, I think that the Mitt Romney exit speech was classic Mitt Romney. He's a nice guy, but he is a terrible politician. And for him to claim, well, I'm stepping aside because we can't let the Democrats uh, take over because of terrorism, you know, <laughs> that's just nonsense. Uh, but the well, fact that he's out is very interesting because obviously Huckabee has got a little bit of a he, yeah, he's roly-poly on TV. He's a nice guy. He's Gomer Pyle and all that. But he's got a little mean streak to him. And it's quite clear that he's not quitting. Because he's actually battling Romney for the, for the next presidential race. McCain is either going to win and be a one-term president, or the Republican Party is going to go through a kind of a earthquake reorganization. Yeah. Because Ron Paul... I've talked about Ron Paul over and over. He's obviously not going to win the nomination, but he got 21% of the vote in Washington. He got 12% in Kansas. With almost zero media coverage. Zero media coverage. But what's amazing is he's the only nominee that's got any money. McCain and Huckabee are broke. Right. So it's an amazing race. Why would Ron Paul go away? He represents this sort of libertarian, economic uh, Republican. What you might have called once upon a time the moderate fiscal conservative. And this whole debate, by the way, over the weekend about who's a true conservative, quote unquote, is is really uh, fascinating. George Bush asserts that John McCain is a true conservative. That may be one of the only true things that George Bush has ever said. Um. He is without realizing that without that's realizing so, it. Yeah. yeah, in other words, he gets a he gets some brownie points for getting the right answer for the wrong reasons. <laughs> uh, he probably guessed or probably had to consult Condoleezza Rice first to make that determination. But of course, Huckabee represents this sort of bizarre combination of uh, you know right wing on the social issues with a kind of a weird economic po- economic populist yeah. message that's appealing to some voters but McCain regardless of what happens is 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 almost fatally wounded um we all know that Rush Limbaugh is a big fat idiot right <laughs> that's no uh, secret or mystery yeah so uh, i don't really care about him or or Ann Coltergeist um who attacked McCain repeatedly at the CPAC convention. Which, by the way, uh, favors Romney. Yeah. They they, they, they took a vote, they and took a uh, vote. by over 60% CPAC people 
But he's, wish, wishing and a hoping. But he's out. And yeah. What's fascinating is if you looked at the <clears throat> West Virginia primary results, the caucus results on the Republican Party, Romney was going to win West Virginia. But guess what? McCain decided to gang up on Romney with Huckabee's collaboration, and Huckabee, quote, won West Virginia. John McCain may regret that. He should have probably let Romney take that state, and then Huckabee might be the one dropping out, and then Romney would eventually be the gentleman that he is, because I think he's a stand-up guy. I understand who Mitt Romney is, but look at John McCain, who's flip-flopping on all sorts of issues to pander to the conservatives. It's a very fascinating uh, ongoing story about how the Republican Party is uh, pretty much imploding. Uh, nuclear fission might be a good uh, concept to think of. Well, it's in his own uh, comments to the uh, Conservative Politi Political Action Conference, or the CPAC, <clears throat> Bush said some fairly remarkable things. Uh, first of all, you wonder, uh, he says, well, I'm not officially endorsing McCain, but, you know, he's a true conservative. Right. And uh, you wonder how enthusiastic McCain has to be about even that much of an endorsement from the least popular guy in town. Um, but this quote from Bush is staggering. He urges the faithful at the CPAC uh, conference, uh, the stakes in November are high. This is an important election. Prosperity and peace are in the balance. Indeed, they are, but right. that balance has shifted and tipped way over. We have neither peace right. nor prosperity, and uh, the hole that we're sinking into is getting deeper and slipperier. And Indeed. so what what the heck is he talking about here? It's in the balance because he's put it in the balance. Right, and it needs to pull back the other way. His disastrous policies. <laughs> um, and... One of the guys to kind of pay attention to if you watch any of the sort of spin meistering going on on television is Pat Buchanan. Because right. Pat Buchanan is an analyst on MSNBC. And sometimes he and uh, Rachel Maddow have these kind of interesting debates about the primary. But Pat Buchanan is sort of of the attitude, we don't care about this election anymore, us yeah. conservatives. Right. We care about 2012. And what we see and I'm sort of uh, extrapolating from some comments I saw him make this weekend during the week in, in, in the post-Super uh, Tuesday uh, spinmeistering. It's we don't care about this election. We care about the next election. And, of course, what he was saying was Romney, by getting out, is, is basically fighting for a future day. But so is Huckabee now. Hmm. And this is what's fascinating about where the... Uh, the GOP uh, is 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 going because let's face it, John McCain, boy, he's he's getting old and he's a kind of a curmudgeon now. You can see it in how he campaigns and what he says. I don't think sometimes he even know knows anymore what he said says. Romney blew it in the California debate. He should have used the word the straight talk express has come off its wheels. <laughs> Who made that comment? Barack Obama. Um, because that's he's the one that's been flip-flopping, but the media was more interested in Romney's flip-flopping. Look at uh, 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 McCain on all these issues. And, of course, what are the obsessions that the CPAC people have? Why don't they like McCain? Well, it's the gay marriage amendment, for instance. Why did McCain go with Barry Goldwater 
on that issue. True conservatives. Right. So a guy like Dobson, James Dobson, who and Coulter Geist, who's are, they're obsessed with this issue, but they've run out of this issue. This issue is is fading as an issue. It's of course essential to the quote evangelical Christians that are voting for Huckabee. Um, because nothing imperils the fate of mankind throughout the future of the known universe, right? Than gay marriage. But it, of course, it's completely irrelevant. There totally. Is, you know, why do you need to amend the Constitution to prevent something that doesn't even exist? <laughs> it's it's amazing. So w what we're confronted with in the Republican Party now is a candidate that doesn't believe in evolution versus a candidate that doesn't believe in peace versus a candidate that doesn't believe in the government. <laughs> it's a very interesting dilemma, but it re reflects very accurately the problem that the Republican Party has. They're taking their party in three different directions, and they don't have, you know, a unifying person to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's. As lame as Hillary Clinton can be on, on certain aspects, she's still a very good candidate. She's a superb debater. She knows these policy uh, questions inside and out. She can deliver the laundry list to Edith Bunker. And others, um, you know, she's winning significant constituencies in the Democratic Party. Obama, of course, is talking about lofty ideals. Personally, I think a lot of his stuff is nonsense. I don't understand how you negotiate with the Republicans over getting out of Iraq or these budget priorities that they seem mm. to have. Um, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, by the way, are costing this nation $15 billion a month. Yet no substantive questions are ever asked in the Republican Party debates about how they're going to pay for this. You know, other than Ron Paul pointing out, hey, our empire's costing us a trillion dollars a year. And now there's word that the Pentagon has been pressuring Pakistan into accepting uh, U.S. military presence in re parts of that country. And of course, it's not going over very well there, but this doesn't even surface in the recent uh, Pentagon budget request, which at $515 billion did not also include day-to-day -day costs for the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. That's on top of $515 billion. So uh, the CIA uh, head, um, Mike General Michael, don't call me Sterling Hayden, flew off to uh, Pakistan to try to coax Musharraf to agree to these uh, CIA-led military operations in uh, Pakistan. Bizarre. And, and of course... Dangerous. As unpopular as George Bush is in America, Musharraf's even more unpopular in Pakistan. Yep. So, I don't know, for about the 25th time in the last 26 years, America is kind of behind the wrong horse, riding the wrong horse once again. Um, it always thinks it's on a white horse. It isn't. It's on a black horse or, you know, and I, I'm using that not in any, uh, I'm using that in kind of a cowboy right. uh, illusion there. Um, there. There are some serious problems with what is going on in our, with our war policy. And when Robert Gates, we'll give him a brain damage award, says that we must make a pause in our proposed withdrawals from Iraq, uh, 
basically backing Petraeus's uh, arguments on that question. I think that the so-called benefits of the surge have been fragile indeed. There's no question that there's been a reduction in violence, but the problem is it's getting back to what was really going on in South Vietnam with the American government. Yeah. We're backing a corrupt, incompetent government that does not have the widespread support of the people. And this was our problem in South Vietnam. We never understood this. Uh, we never admitted it. Instead, we d continued to live in a delusional world of fantasies and propaganda and spinmeistering that, uh, at the end of the day, cost America dearly. I read a book over the weekend about our dependence on foreign oil. I'll talk about it next week. But one of the interesting, and this is one of these university press books, so it's a you know, significant scholarly work with... Uh, you know, widely sourced and all of that. And the author was making the observation that the Iraq war at this point is now almost more expensive than the entire Vietnam war that America endured uh, in terms of, quote, constant $2,005. And by the end of Bush's term, it will exceed. And of course, we're not leaving Iraq. Well, he's the decider. The war, President. Well, anybody old enough to remember the 70s will know just how, um, even after we were out of Vietnam, how unstable and uh, jolt-related uh, the economy was. Sure. And we have to pay for that war at some point, Mr. McCain, uh, Mr. Huckabee. I'm not going to say this to Ron Paul because he, he actually knows this. Um and to all these conservatives that are worried about whether or not John McCain is a true conservative. You know, they're obsessed and hate him because of global warming, gay marriage, the tax cuts. Hey, he, he was against the two tax cuts until now he's in favor of them and now wants to make them permanent. Boy, you talk about a guy that's off his rocking chair uh, and needs a, a little boost back up there to hold the reins again. It's John McCain um, and these obsessions that the con CPAC uh, people have with uh, John McCain are very interesting. But look at John McCain's vote totals over the weekend. 26% in Washington, 24% in Louisiana, I mean in uh, Kansas. He's going to win Virginia and Maryland tomorrow. Those are, those are government states. Those are yeah. states where, because of their proximity to Washington, D.C., uh, a lot of people that work in the federal government live in those states. And, um, you know, McCain will probably do okay and make it virtually mathematically impossible for Huckabee to uh, stay in the race. But I kind of hope good old Gomer Pyle hangs around for a little longer. I, by the way, don't buy the argument that it helps the Republicans for him to get out as quickly as possible because uh, I would argue that if the... I don't know. I, I saw the, the, the ratings from the California debates, one of the highest uh, rated cable shows of all time. Wow. And it was replayed over and over. It, it got a rating of five, um, five, zero, I think 8.4 million people watched it live. That's comparable to a football game. People are interested in this election. The turnout in all these states is reflecting this. So let the race keep going. Let the debates continue. Because I say the more debates, the better. Indeed.
we we get to see more about the candidates. And I might add, a lot of previous presidents wouldn't have survived this debate process. Ronald Reagan would have been exposed for much the, earlier. Vald, Valdheimer's a diseased man he was, <laughs> and that was he forgot he was a Nazi. Of course, he wasn't a Nazi. He was a good old Californian, but he had disastrous policies that we're still paying for today. And not just in <clears throat> monetary terms, but, uh, you know. And he's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, he's, well, you know, all these people say, oh, we wish, it, you know, where's Ronald Reagan? It was like, he's dead. Yeah, remember the big fancy funeral? Yeah. yeah I mean, was I kind of hope Abraham Lincoln would come back and lead America, because that's the kind of leader we need. Somebody that actually is grounded in with real people. Yeah. You know, one of Abraham Lincoln's most brilliant quotes... And tomorrow's his birthday, by the way. One of his most brilliant quotes was that God must love common people because he made so many of them. And that is just a perfect reflection of the brilliant mind of Abraham Lincoln. And what is so unfortunate today is that we just don't have a political candidate that can write the Gettysburg Address on the back of an envelope on a train ride from Washington, D.C. to Gettysburg. That's brilliance. That's the essence of Abraham Lincoln. Well, it's funny you should mention it, too, because on uh, the Turner Classic Movies channel, they've been playing uh, Oscar-related films. Today they're showing all Frank Capra films, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was one of them. Uh, very interesting and, and more complex film than it looks on the surface, but it really does instill that sense that, you know, if our system is fairly run than it is the best system in the world indeed and uh, there's no argument with that um the scene at the end where <clears throat> the corrupt senator Payne breaks down and confesses uh finally shamed mm -hmm. into uh admitting uh that the system is is taken over by uh, corporate interests and uh it's a it's a pretty powerful film and uh it makes you wish that uh such a moment could occur I, Outside the world of fiction. Yeah, and, and uh, it's also fascinating to me, by the way, to compare movies that were made in the 30s and early 40s and the message that is reflected in them versus what we see today. Very much so. You know, a lot of hoopla about the end of the Hollywood writer's strike. Well, 2% of nothing is uh, nothing. I don't know what uh, these writers are getting out of the deal, and who cares? I haven't watched any primetime television in years. I watch yeah. PBS, you know, when they produce things. But Outside of The Simpsons, you're not missing much. Yeah, and, and the point is is that America's probably actually benefited from the fact that all this <laughs> junk on television isn't on television. Who needs it? It's junk. It's garbage. Throw it in the Potomac River and see if George Washington can fish it out and throw that dollar back across the Potomac River and his birthday is coming up as well we're just about out of time here today uh, we will be talking uh, next program I think next week <clears throat> some very interesting and disturbing articles kind of a little bit below the radar there about looming food shortages yeah and and by the way wheat uh, prices and yep, that's part of it supplies are are well wheat prices are going up supplies are, are way down and we're going to be importing wheat from Canada the ethanol concept that is being pursued by Washington DC 
It's going to lead to mass starvation in Indonesia. Is a fiasco, and it, oh. it's not all that environmentally sound to boot. So uh, more on that in upcoming shows. We are being told that we're out of time. 